Welcome to the Community Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, simply go to cccsterling.org. Mike and Jen are amazing. Wouldn't you say so? Wow. That was one of the gifts or the gift that everybody was talking about this morning. Special treat that you receive for being here and for making it through all that snow. And Mike and Jen, they've been using their beautiful talents of music and singing for over 20 years here at our church, and they're a huge blessing to us. So let's give them one more round of applause. Great job. Again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so great to have you here. Uh, Today is lesson number two in our current overflow series. And if you were with us last Sunday, then you already know that with this series, we're talking about biblical stewardship and honoring God with our finances. And according to the word of God, when we do that, When we're willing to give, to be generous, and to financially support the church, God gets involved. And here's what God does. He gives back. Jesus said it this way, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In other words, an overflow of heavenly blessing. And I know some of you are a little skeptical. I also know it is extremely difficult To bring to the church a chunk of your hard-earned money, especially when you're desperately trying to make ends meet and pay your own bills. But last week, in lesson number one of this series, the introduction lesson, I told you and established from the Word of God that some of what we have belongs to God. That's what the Bible says. A portion belongs to God. Now, technically speaking... It's all his. Psalm 24, verse 1 tells us that. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it. But out of the kindness and goodness of his heart, God allows us to keep some of his stuff. And he pays us a pretty handsome management fee to manage it. He said you can go ahead and keep 90% of everything you get your hands on. 90% of everything that you make, everything that you earn, that's yours. But 10% or a tithe belongs to me. And God says, with that tithe, with that 10%, you can help keep the work of the kingdom going forward. And incidentally, the tithe, the 10% that we've been talking about, it's supposed to go to the local church. That's where the tithe belongs. Now, if you have a heart for missions or you care to get involved in other special needs, or or you're uh, really crazy about a certain charity, that's great. But that's called an offering. The tithe, the 10% that belongs to God, that's supposed to go to the church. Now, some Christian people, good Christian people, uh, people who go to church all the time, love to pray, love to worship God, when they hear the biblical teaching on tithing, They laugh. 
They think it's a joke. They actually say, bring 10% of everything I make to the church. Does the pastor have a substance abuse problem? There's no way in the world I'm going to do that. I just can't see doing that. There's no way that my finances are set up for me to bring a 10% tithe. But again, the scripture is very clear. A portion of what we have belongs to the Lord. And you can follow this through the entire Bible. From beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between. And friend, my desire today is just to teach you from the word of God. You know, I'm instructed as a pastor to do that. I'm going to be held responsible for the things that I teach you. And so I just want to teach you some things. And the message that I'm going to share with you today, it's a pretty mature message. But you're here not because anyone forced you to be here. You're here because you want to be here. You come to church on a day like today, you want to be in God's house. I know that. And so this is the right message for you. It'll come for some of you as a confirmation. For others, it, it might be revelation. But the Bible clearly says, and this is what I want you to hear throughout this entire series, part of the blessing that we have belongs to God. God said so. And not only did God say so, so did Jesus. And I told you this last week. During a very valuable and unforgettable message that Jesus was giving on biblical stewardship, on one occasion he actually took a coin and held it up as a sermon illustration. He used a Roman coin, a denarius, and he said, okay, whose picture is on this coin? Whose, whose inscription, whose image is this? And everybody responded, it's Caesar. Jesus said, you're right. So render or give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and render and give to God what belongs to God. Jesus said there are some things that belong to God. It doesn't all belong to us. Now, according to the latest research, we're not doing really good with the second part of that instruction. We're doing okay with the first part. In fact, the latest uh, statistics, 21%, that's the tax, the average tax bracket for the United States worker today. 21%. I would be willing to bet that most of us here in this room are beyond that. 25, 30, maybe even 35% tax bracket. And that's the amount of money that we have to pay to Caesar or to the government unless you can come up with a bunch of deductions. We're doing okay with that one. If you don't, you go to jail. It's the second one that we're having trouble with. And according to Barna Research, that's the, the group that does all the, the fact-finding and the surveys with churches. According to Barna, church giving or tithing 10% is at an all-time low. It's at a record low. In fact, their research shows that the average Christian, the average believer sitting in chairs, in, 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 in pews in churches today, they give somewhere between 2 and 3% of their income. So the Bible teaches 10%. The national average is 2.5%. And here's another alarming statistic, according to Barna. In any given church, 
the number of people who are tithing 10% of their income to the Lord is, right, is under 20% at 18%. 18% of the people in any given church are tithing 10%. The other 80 or 82% give what's left over. You know, we teach 10% tithe here. We always have. We always will. Because we believe it's the word of the Lord. And because we're willing to teach God's uncompromised word, Community Christian Church has always been ahead of the curve. We're never average. I, I, I've told you this for years and years. We are not an average church. We're above average because we believe the word of God. Now, when we've done the numbers, uh, the last time that we did it several years ago, right around 32 or 33% of the people attending Community Christian Church were 10% tithers. 33%. We've slipped a little bit in our giving. Currently, we're at 25% or 24%. So one out of every four people who attend this church, they give a 10% tithe to the Lord. And for the first time in our history, so the first time in 26 years, and yes, in case you forgot, a week ago Friday on February the 2nd, we celebrated 26 years in ministry. I know we got hung up last year, uh, 25. So 26 just kind of snuck up on us. But for the first time in our, in our history, the first time in 26 years, our income our tithe income for the current year was less than the previous year. So our tithe income in 2017 was less than 2016, and that's the first time that's ever happened to us. It's never happened before. Always the tithe was greater than the previous year. And so at the end of the year board of directors meeting, when I met with all the board members, I told them and brought them up to speed on our financial portfolio. And we had some discussion and some conversation. And afterwards, the board members, they concluded that I needed to tell you and share this financial shortfall with you, which I just did. And then they also encouraged me to challenge you from the word of God on the subject of giving. And I decided to do that. Just trying to be obedient to the board of directors. <laughs> and just so you know, I'm not afraid or intimidated to talk about finances. It's in the word of God. And even if it's not my favorite subject in the whole wide world to talk about, I, I share it with you because I believe in it with all my heart. And I believe it because I have a tremendous personal testimony when it comes to tithing. I've shared this with you over the years. Most of you already know this. But shortly after I was saved and shortly after Teresa and I got married, all about at the same time, we were deep in debt. I mean, we had no margin financially whatsoever. And we were in debt because of me. I had made some really bad financial decisions. I mean, I grew up in a family when, where we didn't have much. And so at 19 years old, 20 years old, I decided I was going to have it all. So I spent money that we didn't have. And we were deep in debt during our early years of marriage. And when we heard this tithe message for the first time, we talked about it. We said, there's no way we can do it. We looked at the numbers. We can't do this. 
But then we just decided to go for it and to trust God. And we started off doing what we could. I talked about that last week. Working our way to that 10% mark because that's what we felt the Bible teaches. And we literally tithe ourselves out of debt. And so tithing, it's not just a theory or a good idea, it's a reality to us. And it's become a significant part of our lives. Tithing works. You give to God, you honor God with your finances, you show generosity to God at his prompting, and be obedient to his word when it comes to giving him what belongs to him, and he will bring an overflow of blessing on you in many areas of your life. I believe that with all my heart. Now, some of you feel bad for me when I talk about money. Don't. Right? Don't feel bad for me. You, you think it's hard and, and, and you, you just are sensitive to it. You don't want me to have to challenge people that way. I want to challenge you from the word of God because I know this will bless you. This will be a benefit for you. And so this is why I'm so passionate about this. Talk about it all month. And again, let me just throw this out there. We're going to talk about this for four weeks in a row. Uh, last week was lesson number one, installment number two this week, and then three and four. Uh, uh, the national average, again, according to George Barna, is uh, once a month when it comes to church attendance. People get to church once a month. So if I go four weeks in a row, I'm going to hit everybody. All right? So everybody will hear something. All right. Uh, I want to look at two different passages of Scripture in the Bible, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. The first one is in the Old Testament, Proverbs 3.9. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your increase or all of your crops. And then after you do that, after you give God what belongs to him, after you honor him with your wealth, then your barns and your vats and every container in your house will be filled to overflowing. How full? Overflowing. Now, for all of you modern-day believers, those of you who claim to be under grace and therefore you no longer are subject to the instructions in the Old Testament. Uh, let me provide you with a companion verse to Proverbs 3.9 found in the New Testament. And this comes right from the lips of Jesus and the, the one who was filled with grace, the one who brought us grace. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. All right, here's the principle found in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Here's the principle that is so important that you'll see it on the page of Scripture throughout. Are you ready? All right. God deserves to be first. Say that. God deserves to be first. And for those of you who've been around Community Christian Church, you know that I have been telling you this and teaching you this for years and years. In fact, for the better part of 26 years, I have used, time and time again, the word grace as an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, I've used the word grace as an acronym, to convey to you our vision and the core values of our church. And in the way of review, you should, you know, you should know this, but in the way of review, G, God deserves to be first. R, relationships matter. Come on, like on Family Feud. A, acts of service. 
C, compassion for others, especially the lost and the poor. And E, everything belongs to God. At the top of the list, the very top, is this whole concept that God deserves to be first. Not in some things, but in all things. God has earned that distinction. And when we were worshiping him today during the praise and worship time, could you sense how great God is in this place? He's a great God. He's worthy of all of our praise because he deserves it. He alone is worthy. His name alone is excellent. And so with the two verses that I shared with you, the one from the Old Testament and the one from the New Testament, Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord first. Honor the Lord first. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Matthew 6.33 says, seek the Lord first. Come on, you'll pick it up after a while. Seek the Lord first. Honor the Lord first. Seek the Lord first. Then everything will be added to you. You see, many believers, they get the sequence backwards. We don't see it the way that it comes to us in the scripture. Many believers think once your barns or your financial portfolios are overflowing... Once you've obtained all of the material possessions that you can possibly desire, or after you stockpile your investments and finally achieve financial security, then and only then can you start to share some of this wealth with other people. Then, after you get to the place you want to be, then you can start honoring God with your finances. Then you'll be able to give generously and bring a tithe. That's not the way it works. God says, I want you to remember me first. I want you to give to me first. I want the first fruits. Because when you take that step of faith, that faith that you have will actually release the blessing that I want to bring to you. All right, this morning, I want to show you a gem from the word of God. And I, and I, I call it a gem on purpose. This is a, a, a part of the scripture that not a lot of people have seen. This is a secret found in the word of God. And as a believer, you have to look for these secrets. Jesus used parables. And after Jesus was done teaching with parables, the disciples said to him, why are you, you know, telling us these puzzling stories? Why don't you just come right out and make it plain? Come on, you know, tell us what the point is. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go after it. I want you to seek it out for yourself. I want you to search it through. And then when you are committed to it, that's when you'll see the truth. There's a, a passage here that I'm going to share with you that has helped me to honor God with my finances and put him first. And when I say that, put God first, I, I want you to hear me say, I don't put God first because I feel obligated to. I don't put them first because it's at the top part of that GRACE acronym. I don't put it first because I think it's the right thing to do. He deserves it. He deserves it. He earned that top spot in our lives. Okay, Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2. It's going to be up here on the screen and you're going to have to pay attention. Some of you are going to check out. I'm going to lose some of you along the way. I know that but I'm going to try to draw you back in at the end. So here, stay with me. 
Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2. Here's what God said to his people. Consecrate or give to me all of the firstborn. Remember we made a big deal about the first, right? Honor God first. Seek God first. All right, so God says in Exodus chapter 13, consecrate to me or give to me all of the firstborn, whoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and animal. Why? Because they're mine. The New Living Translation says, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals, belongs to me. Do you see that? Anyone other than Therese see that? All right. God said, The firstborn of everything that breathes, the firstborn of everything that has breath, is mine. It's mine. The firstborn from your families, the firstborn from your flocks, the firstborn from your fields, that all belongs to me. And God uses the word mine. You consecrate that to me. You give that to me. You prepare that for me because it's mine. Now, I don't know if you've been in a room with multiple two-year-old boys who are all fighting for the same toy, all using the same terminology. What are they saying? It's mine. It's mine. I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind what they're attempting to communicate or what they're trying to say. In the minds of these two two-year-old boys, they are making it very clear that what they're holding in their hand or what they have in their possession belongs to them. It's theirs. And they're not giving it up. Here, in Exodus chapter 13, God clearly says everything, the first of everything that's born, the first of everything that has life, it is mine. It belongs to me. And then a few verses later, God adds a little instruction. He said in verse 11, chapter 13 of Exodus, verses 11 through 13, follow me. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. See, he's repeating himself. You're to give to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All of the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord and redeem with the lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. So here's what God said. Here's the picture of putting God first. And again, you can trace this throughout the scripture. He said, once the children of Israel take possession of their promised land, once you get into the land of Canaan that I'm going to give to you, all of the firstborn animals from your livestock belong to me. And they either have to be sacrificed or redeemed. I'm going to say that again. In these verses that we just read, God said very clearly, when you go into your promised land and you begin to conduct your business and build your houses and have your flocks and such, the firstborn of everything belongs to me. And the firstborn has to either be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, the next obvious question is which is which? 
which animals got to live and be redeemed and which animals had to die and sacrifice and be sacrificed. Well, the two animals that God uses in this passage are lambs and donkeys. A lamb is a clean animal. A donkey is an unclean animal. The lamb had to be sacrificed. The donkey had to be redeemed. And those are the only two categories, clean and unclean. There was not a third group. So let me say it again. There were lambs and there were donkeys. The lamb was a clean animal. The lamb had to be sacrificed. The firstborn lamb had to be sacrificed. The donkey was an unclean animal, not sacrificed. The donkey was redeemed. So if you had sheep and one of your ewe sheep had like four or five little lambs, then according to the law that God gave to the people, according to his commandment, you had to take the firstborn lamb and bring that firstborn lamb to the priest, carry that lamb to the priest, the first one that you had, and offer that lamb as a sacrifice to God and consecrate it to him because it belonged to God. You had to do that with every lamb, every firstborn lamb. Are you getting this? Okay, if you had donkeys and your female donkey had a little foal, you didn't carry the foal to the priest. Because God said, what I want you to do with the unclean animal is I want you to redeem it. Okay? So what you have to do is find another lamb now, and in the donkey's place, take that lamb to the priest and have the, the, the lamb sacrificed. So the lambs were sacrificed, and the donkeys were redeemed. Clean animals sacrificed, Unclean animals redeemed. And right about now, some of you are thinking, why in the world are we talking about this today? This is Old Testament language. And we're no longer subject to it. It does not apply to us. Why are you making a point like this? Well, you're absolutely right. This is Old Testament language, but it absolutely does apply to us. In fact, it has a lot of significance. And in just a couple of moments, I'm going to expound on this thought. But first, I want to draw your attention to a tiny little statement that God made in this passage. And this is the statement that I want you to hear. This is the very truth that transformed me when it comes to giving. Again, Exodus chapter 13, verse 13, it should still be up there, beginning with the last few sentences, all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord and redeem with the lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. I'm being redundant on purpose. Redeem with the lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Why would God say that? break its neck. That's out of character for God. Again, God says, I want you to understand that the firstborn of everything that you have, firstborn son or daughter, firstborn animal, first fruits of your crops, they're mine. They belong to me. You have a responsibility to give those to me, to consecrate those to me. And when you have unclean animals, I want you to redeem them and bring a sacrifice in its place. If you don't do it, 
break the, do break the donkey's neck. You might as well kill the donkey. Because the donkey's not going to do you any good. Check this out. God said, if you don't pay me what belongs to me, if you don't redeem the donkey, if you don't give me my portion, if you don't bring it to me willingly, you're going to lose it anyway. It's not going to do you a lick of good. You might as well go ahead and break its neck because by the time that little foal gets to be two years old, you're going to hate it. It's going to be the most stubborn donkey on the face of the whole earth, and it's not going to help you. So you might as well give to me what belongs to me. If you don't, get rid of it. It's of no value to you. Is this making sense to anybody? Is the light turning on? Do you know time and time again, I talk to people who are in bad financial shape, and they tell me that they're losing money and they're, they're wasting money. They're misspending money. And I find out they're non-tithers. They don't tithe. And they're telling me that they can't account for their money. That they can't even figure out where their money is going. It seems like they should be making a lot more and having a lot more, but they don't have it. This is the principle. If you keep God's portion... If you take for yourself the 10% that you're supposed to give to God and consecrate to God, you're going to lose it. Might as well break its neck. Might as well throw it away. God says it's not going to do you any good. And I'm going to make a statement. I have no proof of this statement. I'm only speculating at best, but I'm going to make it anyway. Non, pardon me. Tithers stuff lasts longer than non-tithers. I'll say it again. Tithers stuff last longer than non-tithers. Appliances, TVs, the tires on your car, your teeth, they all last longer because they have the blessing of the Lord on it. See, they belong to, to God. You're, you're, you're redeeming them. This is a principle in God's word that should set you free. It should speak to your heart because God established it's mine. It belongs to me. And if you do it my way, you're going to see a tremendous blessing. If you don't, you're going to lose it. This is precisely what happened to the people in Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought. Don't just think about this a little bit. Give careful thought to your ways, God said. You've planted much, but you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You ever think that? You ever think like somebody's draining your bank account? Because it's never there, never enough. Verse 9 says, you expected much, but it turned out to be a little. And what you brought home, I blew it away. I blew it away because it's mine. It belongs to me. And if you don't present it to me, it's not going to be of value to you. Now, chances are, about 10 or 15 minutes ago, when I started talking about Old Testament sacrifices, I completely lost you. I, I knew that was going to happen. I could see it. I, I, some of you just turned right off. 
I started looking around, counting the lights and listening to the snow falling <laughs> on the roof, wondering where those, the noises were coming from. Maybe I lost you. And if I did, I'm sorry. You know, maybe in your Bible reading, you haven't ventured into the Old Testament just yet. Maybe you're just a New Testament reader. And so this was kind of confusing to you. I'm sorry about that. As I recap it here now, I hope I can describe it to you in a language you can understand. Because here's what I said in the last 15 minutes. Everything we have comes from God. It all comes from God. That's what the scripture says. If you believe anything at all about the the word of God, the Bible says every good and perfect gift we have comes from the Father. And it's the Father above. It's God himself who gives us the ability to produce wealth. If you have wealth, if you have money, if you have a good job, if you have a business, it's because God has allowed you to produce that wealth. If you are smarter than the average bear and you do better on tests than most other people, it's because God gave you those smarts. He's gifted you that way. If you have more discipline than everybody else and you're able to do a lot more than most people can do, it's because God has gifted you to be disciplined. See, God gifts us with everything that we have. These are not our gifts. They come from God. He blesses us. But then he says, all of the blessing I give you, it's not just for you. Some of it belongs to me. A portion of what you have is mine. He uses that four-letter word, M-I-N-E. It's mine. And if you take what's mine, if you spend it on yourself, if you waste it, if you save it, if you do anything with it other than what you're supposed to do with it, you might as well shoot it because it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to benefit you. In the long run, it'll do more harm than help. This is from the word of God. Now, I want to make one last point and we're going to be done. Earlier, when I was reading Exodus chapter 13, verses 2 through 13, I told you that I was going to expound on that one statement. Here's the statement again. The firstborn belongs to me, both the animal kingdom and among mankind. I'm paraphrasing. The firstborn belongs to me of every kingdom. And with regard to the animal kingdom, I want you to sacrifice the clean animals and I want you to redeem the unclean. What do we do with the clean animals? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. What do we do with the unclean? Redeem. Clean, sacrifice. Unclean, redeemed. Right? Spiritually speaking, when you were born, were you born clean or unclean? Clean or unclean? We were all born unclean. That's what the Bible says. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, they passed down a sin nature to us, and we were all born unclean. Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous among us, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of sin, sin passed down to us, sin that we had no control over, we were all born unclean. Who was the only clean or sinless person born on the face of the whole earth? Jesus. The scripture is very clear. Jesus never sinned. 
2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin ever became sin for us. Hebrews 4.15. For we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Temptation after temptation the devil brought to Jesus. He overcame every temptation. He never sinned, not one time. He was the son of God who came to earth as a man. He had no sin record. He had no sin nature. He never sinned. He was the only sinless, righteous one. And what did God say in his word in in Exodus 13? What did he say? Sacrifice the clean and redeem the unclean. Sacrifice the clean and redeem the unclean with a lamb. When John the Baptist laid his eyes on Jesus, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was the spotless Lamb of God. And he went to the cross there and he died. The firstborn of the Father. You see, God's under the same rules that he gives us. He's under the same instructions. The firstborn belongs to me. Jesus was the firstborn Lamb. He died on the cross. He was sacrificed on the cross. And with his blood, with his sacrifice, what did he do? He redeemed the rest of us. Sacrifice the clean, redeem the unclean. It all fits, friend. The whole Bible comes together like a puzzle, beautifully. Jesus said to the religious leaders, because they said he was destroying the law, he said, don't think I'm going to destroy the law. I'm fulfilling it. There is a theme throughout the scripture. There is a teaching from cover to cover and everywhere in between. And you just have to understand the heart of God. Is money a big deal to God? He doesn't need our money. He owns it all. But he gives us the formula. He gives us the sequence for releasing his overflowing blessing on our lives. And understanding some of it is his is really important. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for the beautiful challenge in your word. We thank you, Lord, as we read through the scriptures time and time again, we see the fulfillment of something in the Old Testament through the life and ministry of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you right now. I thank you for speaking to hearts. I thank you for allowing this to be a confirmation to those who give willingly, who give cheerfully. Those who have learned, Lord, that a portion of what we have is yours. I I thank you for that 24, that 25% of our church family who says nothing's going to get in the way of me providing God with the consecrated portion that belongs to him and Lord for the other percentage I pray revelation Lord I pray they wouldn't have to listen to my words maybe thinking I'm just a fast talking preacher just trying to say and do the things that I need to do to bring more money And Lord Lord, I pray that the people here and those who might be listening to the podcast would not think that this is just another attempt 
to ask people for more and more and more. Lord, this is a principle. You redeemed us. We were unclean. You saved us. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And you established a way to promote that gospel. You said the Great Commission is to go out and tell everybody of of, of that story, that gospel story. And the way that we do that is through the ministry of the local church. The local church is important. And that's why you put so much emphasis on the people of God getting behind the local church. I pray, Lord, in these closing moments, you will bring a tremendous blessing and sense of your presence to everybody in this room. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to go to cccsterling.org slash media or search CCC Sterling on the App Store for more messages from Community Christian Church.